You need to get fit. Well, need sounds like a judgment call, but exercise is probably a good idea. Too many questions. How much do I exercise? Where do I exercise? How often do I exercise? Why do I exercise? Losing weight has been the goal for decades, but is that really the right goal? My guest today gets into some of those answers with a particular focus for people over 40. The Eating Liberty Podcast, episode 226, Food and Freedom, once a week for life. Hello folks, Dan Reed here. In the middle of these winter doldrums, yeah, not you Florida folks, Brighten the dinner table with the recipes from my cookbook, Cooking for Comfort. The beef stroganoff has been a huge hit, and I've gotten a lot of comments from the readers saying they loved it. Pick up a copy of Cooking for Comfort today. Use the link on the show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 226. Brad Williams is my guest today. Brad once owned and operated three gym locations in Orange County, California, and oversaw 40 personal trainers. Then, COVID came. Post-COVID, Brad has shifted his focus to online training and has started his first fitness podcast called Over 40 Fitness Hacks. He has a passion to help people over 40 fight the aging process while still letting them have a social life. Hello, Brad. Thank you for joining me today on the Eating Liberty Podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. It's my pleasure. I'm excited to have you here because you are going to talk about fitness. And that's from all of the food shows I've done. We've talked talked about different kinds of diets, about things to eat, things not to eat, um, kind of what happens at the cellular and metabolic level, which all that stuff is important. The one thing we sort of missed, we being me, the railway, I am, or whatever, um, is the fitness part. So before we get into that part, give us a little bit of, bleh, a, little bit of a brief bio about you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, born and raised in uh, Central California, um, I'm 42 year old, 42 years old now. Um, dad was a medical doctor. Mom was a nurse. So I've kind of always had that background of the, you know, trying to be healthy and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, fast forward to college, I actually got a business administration degree because I always wanted more to own my own business than anything. And then, you know, what better than to put a passion and the business mind entrepreneur together than open up a gym. So about 13 years ago, my brother and I opened up our first gym and, our kind of thing was more of the semi-private training. It's a little bit cheaper than private training, but you still get the, you know, your own personalized program. And uh, right. within the last 10 years, you know, I grew that, uh, got some investors, got a couple other places. And uh, that ended up being a little kind of a far stretch. It's just real tough in Orange County. There's a, every block, there seems to be like 
two yoga places, three Pilates places, a boot camp gym, uh, two other big gyms. So it was just real hard. Um, not only that, but just dealing business with in California has just been a struggle ever since I started in the, in the city. So within the last couple of years, I kind of pulled everything down, uh, ditched two locations um, down to one. And then lo and behold, COVID hit anyway. So that was a great decision to make. <laughs> And uh, kind of focused more on, I started my podcast like two and a half years ago, but really focused it uh, about a year and a half ago and uh, more kind of focused it on uh, the over 40 crowd because, you know, turning 40 myself, all my clients that I've uh, been uh, training for the last 10 years have all been over the 40, 50 barrier anyways. So it's kind of my passion, helping them, helping them fight the aging process and what better now that I've turned, you know, for over 40 and I'm seeing some of those things and how hard it is to keep weight off and, you know, struggle with a busy work life and a kid now. I'm like, oh, man, the, these uh, these old guys, uh, they weren't kidding. Now I'm there exp- experiencing it. It's funny. You were talking about the yoga places and all the other places. And I just had this thought that the gyms and Pilates and yoga is now the new Starbucks, at least in Orange County. Exactly. Um. Well, let's let's start with the, the obvious part. So the name of your show is – well, tell me the name of your show. I'm going to get the words yeah, wrong, so it will be embarrassing. Uh, over 40 Fitness Hacks. Right. All right. So first thing is what happens – I don't think it's a magical thing from 39 to 40 and then suddenly everything goes kaflui, but – it, it, it doesn't wasn't that way for me. It's a slow progression, but something does happen at forty and then fifty. What's going on? And this is, I mean, this could really be a detailed episode about this question alone. But let's avoid that part. But just the basics of what's happening in the body. Is it do men and women have a similar impact with age? And then because of some gender biological differences, maybe there's a difference. But what's What's the main thing that's going on in the human body after 40 that it needs a particular focus from, say, the 20-year-old? Yeah. So I think it's like pretty much from what I've seen over the course of my profession is it comes down to like two things. One is we're getting older. We have more responsibilities, you know, family, kids, work, um, you know, injuries come into play too, which kind of, okay, I guess we can't do this as much, you know, whether whatever you like doing, working out or running or, you know, sports or something like that. You can still do that stuff, but it's not definitely not at the pace you were doing in your 20s. And the uh, easiest way is that is just, you know, record your steps, you know, with all those trackers they have now. You can imagine what your your children are doing right now and their steps. They're probably up in the 20,000 plus steps and we're sitting here struggling to hit 3,000 steps. Um, and, that, and that's one. And the other one is just as our bodies age, it's just a built-in genetic mechanism uh, – for survival so our body as we age uh is more worried about the long game now so it it wants to hold on to fat like you wouldn't believe because that's what protects your organs um for longevity and fat is so efficient as a fuel source your body wants to hold that to the bitter end so it will literally pick everything else you know take off muscle um you know any protein you have sometimes it'll just favor protein over even uh um, fat carbs, obviously. So the, the whole game of trying to stay lean and mean over your forties is you're kind of fighting your, your own genetic makeup to, to, you know, hopefully be healthy, but some people go for the aesthetic look of, you know, I want to look 
like I work out and all that. So these are all the different hacks and stuff that I've kind of come up with to, that I deem, you know, safe and healthy and all that. And they're pretty all much mainstream anyways. To just give us a, a fighting chance of having that body, having that life, being able to still move, play the sports you want um, as, as long as you can. So it's, it's not fair. That's what I always tell my clients. And then now I'm enjoying it too. And it's, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I refuse to give up. I've got that personal trainer mindset that, you know, I will dive into any diet, any workout program, everything, you know, that's kind of my field is I try it first before I let my clients do it. Right. Uh, as, as we're recording this on this day, which is a, a week from when this is going to come out and that's just calendar stuff for the listener. Um, I read, ran, I'm doing research for another show topic. And as you, you know, sort of go down the rabbit hole of stuff, I found a transcript of an interview from a biochemist who wrote a book a few years ago called the secret life of fat. Mm-hmm the science behind the body's least understood organ and what it means for you. Uh, And the author is Sylvia. I'm looking at my old notes and I can't remember her last name. Sylvia, it's kind of important. Uh, Tara, T-A-R-A. And before I read that article, and and on today's show, the listeners are listening to that, I thought that fat was this thing that you want to avoid on your body. You want to get rid of the fat that you have. It's something, it's just this sort of thing that's there. It's like decorations on the Christmas tree. Well, that's too many. Let's take some of them off. It turns out that that's not the case at all. It turns out that there is a variety of fats in the body. It turns out that the fat is its own organ with its own hormones and serves a vital role on the human body. Now, there is a point where there, there can be one. We have two things. More than we prefer, yeah, because we want better looking genes, better fitting genes, and a better looking um, physique. Uh, and then too much also leads to other really big health problems, obesity, heart disease, and diabetes. And those are also things to avoid. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's all a fascinating thing. So, there's a few things. Well, go ahead. I was going to say just just on that, like it's hard for people to distinguish between, you know, fat is okay. Fat is fat I eat, and that's why that's why I gain fat. That's not why you gain fat. Fat, you know, visceral fat, what we call what you can see on the body, and you know, there's subcutaneous fat as well underneath and around your organs. That's all attributed to you know, it's just a base simple calculation of how much energy are you spending per day and how much are you eating, whether it be protein, fat, or a carb, that's it. That's why you're putting on, you know, the visceral fat. Now, fat should be thought of as, you know, I'm putting fats in my body to help all the different hormonal balances that occur because that's what fats have a majority of doing, um, helping all the organs in your body be fully functioning and, uh, then then you go for per choice okay we know that trans fats are bad uh we want uh polysaturated uh omega-3 fats are are good that's how we should be thinking of fat not of you know what's going on our body that that could be just solved by you know stop overeating so that's that's kind of when people first come to me and ask about that i i make that distinction between the two so they so they know the difference the word the, the phrase hack i think is very catchy I, th- I think there's 
I think there's a few things going on in just everyone's mindset about what fitness is. And, and, and so I want to get to the physical part. And I also think that there's, I think there's more to consider both as the coach and the client than only physical fitness. We've had that pounded in our heads since we were in grade school, the President's Council and Physical Fitness, and it's not an unimportant issue. But what I think is overlooked is a sense of spiritual fitness that can be jeopardized by a displeasing physical fitness or lack of physical fitness. And then things that are Things that are within our ability to manage, maybe not exactly control, and there's a really fine line there of of operation, but that would be cellular slash metabolic fitness. And and so I Uh think all three of these things kind of work together either to produce what is visually pleasing in a physically fit person versus a non-physically fit person. Now, here's where it gets really wonky. Um, I think you would agree, and I think you may have even said that there are, people have different body types. They just do. So if you look at uh, elite athletes, you know, well, so I'm, I'm from a particular age where there's Magic Johnson and then Michael Jordan. Now, I don't think Shaq worked less hard. Maybe he did. Jordan was sort of notorious for working extraordinarily hard. And maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's a good comparison because Jordan was driven. But I also think his body type made him like, wow, clearly that is a person who's physically fit. Now, Shaq was notoriously strong. But he didn't, his arms didn't look like, uh, you know, Scottie Pippen or Michael Jordan. Even Magic's arms didn't look like that. And I don't think Magic was out of shape. So it, it, it can be, yeah. so the, the body type and physical fitness can be a trick to the observer. Like, well, look at that person. They're not fit, even though. If you if they were on some sort of you know, if you went and checked them maybe their body fat content is I don't know I don't know what going to say eighteen percent and all of, all of the metrics are like red this is fantastic you know five stars green lights all the way across so yeah when when yeah and go ahead I was gonna say as far as like sports people too it's uh, you know the what they're training for you know, sports specific, you know, has different needs than, you know, someone who's just trying to get overall health, like you mentioned, you know, the spiritual mindset versus your organ health and internal and then your physical appearance. Um, all that could be played too in the sports figures you were just mentioning, but the sports people, you know, they're, they're more focused on kind of sports specific where, you know, if you're, if you're looking for speed and power, you know, those can be trained separate ways than trying to just lose body fat, you know, speed and power are more important in sports than it is what your right. aesthetics look like. You know, look, look at like NFL linemen, yeah. you know, they're not worried about how much weight they put on. And then thus you think, Oh, they look oversized. They must not be that athletic. No, no, no. That can be trained and power is totally different 
than aesthetics. Those boys can move faster than you and I can. They even remember in the fridge? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, Shaq is more worried about, you know, doing rebounds and getting up in there. He needs the size, but he is, you know, at that time, at least, uh, you know, healthy. Right. And I'm sure his blood work came back pretty good, but you know, different story once you get to the over 40 crowd and you're you're not playing those games anymore. Yeah, and, but. and I think the over 40 part is going to impact any elite athlete. And, you know, look, well, I'm, so, you know, I'm, because I'm from the era of Magic and Bird and all the, and that kind of thing, I remember Arnold and Franco Colombo and uh, Tom Platt, oh, yeah. who probably nobody ever remembers, but they're – you look at Arnold now, it's like, wow, that's, that, that's, that's less than impressive. So age does have an impact. Um, one of the things I think happens to us, and I'm not sure it's exclusively to men, probably to everybody, is – so I, I think there's a couple of things happening. There's a bone – bones become more brittle. I'm not sure that that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, muscles become a little bit tighter and balance becomes a little sketchier. So yeah. there, so when we're the point, the question I wanted to ask you, so if we're doing fitness and you're doing a fitness hack, a hack seems to me to suggest there's a way to, bypass the long arduous road to still get mostly the same results. So I would say that yeah. you can hack in cooking. You can you can hack a couple of sauces and most people are going to say, wow, this is really good. And it probably is really good. And can, ev- can everybody notice the diff- difference between a one-hour sauce and a seven-hour sauce? Probably not. So... Yeah. Tell me, yeah. what is what is the mindset going into you teaching your clients about the hack? What are, what's the advantage to them in the fitness realm of maybe taking kind of a shortcut? Is that what is that a fair uh, description? Is that a shortcut? Yeah, yeah. At least okay. to start, you know, the overall concept of fitness, like you mentioned, the mindset, the body, your organ health, everything. I mean, if we could all just do everything beautifully perfect, then yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. But I'm a realist and, you know, my whole thing of starting the, the fitness hacks is finding hacks to at least dabble in, in those areas, but not totally give up your social life and not totally, you know, 180 your entire life. So, you know, I, I consider myself more of a lifestyle trainer than a than a personal trainer. Being that militant boot camp trainer, saying you need to do this and eat perfect and never mess up. No, I'm I'm more a realist, and you know, people have their you know their diets and their caveats of what they like to to do, and I'm I'm not trying to change any of that. I may try to tweak it without them knowing, but uh, you know, kind of a lot of my stuff comes from you know, obviously diet is most important, then weight training, which is kind of my field. Um, then cardio, and then supplements and hacks to kind of fill in the gaps. So that's kind of my mindset um, of coming up with things to help each individual person because everyone's different, everyone's genetics are different. Um, and then I just kind of find what's, what are people willing to give up or, or, or start doing to help them get to where they want. Uh, so I mentioned elite athletes, and I, I, I do – 
some, we'll call it exercise because it's sort of just an easy category, but there's, I, 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 I don't, I'm too cheap to pay for a gym and I don't really want to drive to the gym and I don't want to mm-hmm. deal with all the people and wait in line and feel like the waiting, you spend more time waiting for a machine than you spend time on the machine. Um, yeah. So I do a lot of kind of like just body weight resistance, push-ups, sit-ups, lunges, whatever that kind of stuff, just me. Uh, and I'm 180 pounds, so that's a lot of weight. <laughs> so I'm okay with that. Um, for people who are listening and say, you know, I think maybe I just want to do 10 push-ups at home and do some sit-ups and do some lunges. And there's more than enough videos on YouTube about body weight mm-hmm. resistance, resistance bands for people who don't want to risk, well, one, I think weights, if you don't have them, they can be an expense you don't necessarily want to deal with. Where do you store them? Where do you stub your toe on them in the morning? Um, there's ways around those kinds of things, and I think those could also be considered hacks. Yeah, absolutely. I think people think, I do, that if I'm going to the gym, to make it worth my membership fee and the travel, I have to spend the hour at the gym. Do I need to spend? So yeah. I think that's a, yeah. it could be, could be a reason people don't do this stuff. So if you're doing this at home, yeah. how much time do you need to invest in? I think it's an investment of time. How much time do you need to put aside to do three sets of 10 push-ups and some sit-ups and some lunges and some jumping jacks or something? Yeah. How much time do you need to do this to start feeling or, or or experiencing or obtaining, I don't, I'm not sure what the right word is here, of the results of being physically active. How hard do you have to work? Yeah, and that's the thing. People people think you need to go seven days a week and and go to the gym, and it's 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 not it's not that case. If you're being over forty, you know, as things get a little harder, the number one main thing is don't get right. hurt. You do not want to have to get hurt and recover. It takes longer. It's a waste it of time. You know, that's and it hurts. <laughs> pain is pain. Bad. It hurts me. We do not want it. And and for someone who's working out at home, one the, the only problem with people that works out at home, and I've built a million gyms for people in my life, and a lot of them end up just selling it right, right back to me. Help <laughs> them sell all of it. Is that everyone needs like a, a an accountability coach, whether that's a trainer, an online coach, a family member, or a workout buddy, something. So as long as you have something like that in place, there's no nothing wrong with doing the kind of the home workouts and all that because it is cheaper. You don't need someone there all the time. Um, it would be nice to, to to have someone kind of look over your program, check your form out a couple times, and then no problem doing it yourself. Um, and as far as uh, doing the actual workouts. Um, you know, I promote more of basically doing the, you know, the old Arnold days, you know, you wanted to work your splits out like all leg day, all chest day, right. all back day and an all arms day, that kind of thing. Over 40, unless you're training for something specific and you're getting paid millions of dollars to look a certain way or to be able to compete a certain way, there's no point in doing this. The best way is just doing uh, less, uh, not more frequent, more, less, more efficient workouts and doing full body, um, adding in balance um, and stretching. Uh, we and not just stretching what you think would be just tugging on muscles, but more of doing like negatives and slowing down your workouts. Uh, we started calling this theory time under. What does 10. it mean doing negatives? I don't know what that means. 
So like a negative is, uh, you know, you're doing a uh, squat. So you do squats, but you're doing that at a certain tempo. Slow that squat down to where it takes like, you know, almost 10 full seconds to finish the squat down and 10 full seconds to finish standing up. Then if you can start taking more, you would hold weights. So all that theory is called, we call it negatives. Now it's called time under tension. So it's, it's, it's recruiting more muscle fibers from every body part that you're doing this with and elongating the muscle. You can use less weight to get the same benefit as if you were to, you know, squat a huge right. amount of weight, but there's more risk to injury than that than there is the time under tension. So for the over 40 crowd, you know, time under tension, less weights, less injuries. And if you're doing it right, you know, maybe only a half hour at most. You don't need to do hour and hour and a half workouts to get all this. All all the results are the recovery. You know, making sure you get enough sleep, making sure you're getting enough protein, and then you'll start seeing your body composition. You know, getting better, leaning out. You start feeling good. And uh, the other thing I wanted to tap on if someone's doing their own home workouts is how important balance training is too. So, not just working out efficiently, but working out for balance because the main thing for people over 70 is slips trips and falls and that's thus we we go right into that caveat of you know how how long it takes to recover from an injury you take one fall at that age can't we can't have that happen yeah that's a big problem so and that's one of the things there's a well i'm not going to plug him but the, there's one youtuber i follow who is who's who's shooting for the he's his is the over 50 crowd um but the main yeah. thing and he does a few things with so he has got a weird half ball thing. I don't know what that is, but focus on on balance, and and may, mm-hmm. and that's really the thing that I've noticed as I'm starting to do exercises that challenge my balance and keep doing that. One after fifteen or twenty, I like, wow, I sort of lose balance, and that's probably good. And it means I need to do it more and get better at it. But as I did it couple of weeks that I noticed that man there's I feel a bit more agile which sounds it sounds kind of yeah. weird for well, me to say it out loud but that really is the case I feel like yeah. I have a little bit better sense of balance yeah and you feel more comfortable yeah, in your body I like that part. It's, it's a weird feeling but it works the I, I know well it, there, there isn't legitimate harm in comparing your 40 or 58 year old self to your 18 year old self unless it becomes an obsession but I, re- I remember back in high school my friends and I used to we we hid the keys to the weight machine in our, in our coats so we could use it now we weren't amazing in shape but we we're pretty good in shape and it's some of that's coming back I'm like I gotta admit it's I'm a little bit excited to see some yeah. of some of that showing up again, it's like, man, this is, so there is, from from the physique, I can see it side, it's a little reinforcing to see it. And, and, and I, I. Yeah, but those, those yeah. are all motivators. One, you, like you said, you're, you're feeling good, more comfortable in your body. That's a motivator. Seeing the aesthetics, I'm sorry, that's not, I mean, it's not the most important thing in life, but it, it, it matters it when you see it. It does. It does. It gives you that boost you need, yeah. It all kind of goes together if you're doing it right. 
I, I see it, I'm a, I like it, and I'd say it took 40 years to get to where I was a year ago, so I can't get, you're not gonna get it all back right away, and you, <laughs> I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm, it takes longer, but you yeah, can't get it. it. Takes, it takes, <laughs> it, it, the patience part, I think, is is a little bit on the frustrating side, and then I I can't just, I can't go hours, I don't have that. And you you know, you made a comment, the, the 20-year-olds, maybe still in college, maybe having a job that isn't, isn't the owner's job, isn't the chief's job, isn't the supervisor's job. There's there's a little left little less life expectation in general on the twenty year old than there is on oh, the forty yeah. year old. So now now there's eight, ten, twelve, fourteen hours at work, there's dinner to make, there's kids to pick up, maybe there's kids to drop off. There's all these other things that require time. That need to get done, and somewhere in there, I'm supposed to carve out an hour and a half because I got to travel there and back to go to the gym. It ain't happening, and I and, and that part yeah. makes perfect sense because by the by the time whatever the job is, and uh, you know, cooking jobs last a really really long time, and those those have a level of physical requirement, but it's. I suppose on some level it counts as yeah. exercise because there's things happening. But you, when you're done cooking, the last thing you want to do is go someplace to spend an hour working hard. You just worked hard. Yeah, and that's and that's the biggest thing of of why it's so important to work out more efficient and do it less because of all those reasons you just said. So learning learning how to do that. Um, and also incorporating that diet to make sure what you just did, you're recovering and building muscle. And it's all about building lean muscle mass and retaining that. Um, another cool thing, too, is all these new uh, fitness tech trends. You know, I'm kind of privy to all that stuff coming out. And I'm I'm getting real impressed with, uh, you know, science and how that's coming in. Because that's like the future right now is 20 minutes with these new tech places is worth two hours in the gym. And I've tried a, a couple of these out and can attest to it after doing it for months. Oh, my God. You know, not only do I know, you know, I'm a personal trainer. I think I kind of know what I'm doing in the gym. But now I'm doing it with even less time than, you know, than my style of training before. So that's something to see in the next uh, 10 years is how much of these companies are coming out. COVID uh, kind of put a damper on one that I was working with. And then another one, I go to this gym now in Costa Mesa. Uh, it's called the smart fit method. It is just putting every type of te- high tech modality in there to make sure that your 20 minutes of time in there is being spent. And already with five weeks of results, I'm, I'm seeing wow. it. So I'm, I'm loving to, to see this, this, this theory of less is better versus the old school method. You know, I love my Arnold and I love, you know, the Hulk and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, look at the amount of damage that you know you've kind of done to our bodies and joints if you've been in that world you know as you get older you can't really get a lot right. of that back so the earlier we start smarter the better you know we're, we're going to be living into our hundreds <laughs> in the next you know couple centuries so <laughs> gotta make well, them count yeah going to need more cash um that too i there's for myself and and so i just said that i get really i'm satisfied and i get kind of excited and motivated for this physique coming back that wasn't there for a long time 
and it's it's kind of easy to get mad at myself if I miss a day and, and mm-hmm. some things happen, things come up and you don't have any control over it. You can't fit the thing in that you can't fit your, even if it's 20 minutes or half an hour and you never leave the house, but you just can't get to it. And it can, it can be easy to just be mad. And the phrase you use was militant. I, I must, I must, I must, I must. And I, I'm, on, and not on a physically fit level, but I think that there's harm isn't the right word, but there certainly is no benefit to yeah. no, being, right. to putting yourself in a position where you feel like you're a failure because you didn't do push-ups today. And I, how how would you coach somebody to to learn? Maybe that's maybe it's learned. Maybe it's a learned skill. How do you learn? How do you teach someone to learn and accept? It's okay yeah. to miss a day. Nothing. No bad thing's going to happen. How do you do that? Yeah. So, so what I like working with people is, you know, just building habits, and it's also okay to break those habits whenever you see fit. Not everyone, you know, ate well or slept well that the next day that you can jump into something. Pass. No problem. So as long as you make it easy for someone that they're not scared of jumping into a new program, you know, the more accepting they are to, to new things. So then we just start building like new habits of new styles of training, new habits of, you know, eating, drinking more water, um, moving. Like I said, we all saw how, how during like COVID uh, you could eat as healthy as you want and, you know, think you're working out as good as you were before at home, but just the lack of movement and how many steps you're taking a day is huge. Um, so just learning to build little things and of taking walks, or if you're a desk worker, of just getting out of there, or take the stairs, and you do it slowly because if you overdo it on someone, when someone comes to me, the one thing they want is I want the whole program all in one hit. That's it's just not going to work. I know you want it, but you'll quit. I already know because I've done this a million times. We're gonna we're gonna tack one little thing and build on that and, and make it so easy for you that it's more of like longer lasting things and the more stuff that you do synergistically, this gives you more time to, you know, not cheat but take take time off if you don't feel right. like it. So my my whole thing is you know fitness in my world is you know eighty percent diet, ten percent weight training, ten percent cardio, and like five percent whatever's left for. Uh, you know, supplementation or hacks. So my show of hacks is only a little small part, but they also help you do some of the other things too. So that's kind of my philosophy. When when you meet a new client, I'm going to, I think there's, there's possibility of two things. One, they say that they eat healthy or they don't know what healthy is. So, and, and that's, it's, it's kind of a trick question. It's a little bit of quicksand mm-hmm. because and I just encountered this in a Facebook group earlier today. <laughs> well, I, I, what health, what cereal is healthy? No cereal is healthy. Well, European muesli is because it has dried fruit. Dried fruit, is, dried fruit is pure sugar. Even if it isn't added sugar, it's still sugar. So there's, there's a lot of confusion about what air scare quotes healthy eating is. When you meet a new client, is, is there Maybe maybe more in the aggregate is is there this conception? What do they think 
healthy eating slash lifestyle looks like. Yeah. So that's, you know, one of the first things we go over is, is diet. And, you know, my thing is baby steps, right? So I am, I tell them right off the bat that, you know, I'm not looking to, to change too much of the diet right now. We just need to get you on the workout program. That's why you're coming to me. Um, but we do need to dabble in there. And that way I can gauge a sense of what they think is healthy. And just, just overall, basically the two main things is, you know, are they eating too much sugar and carbs in general? Cause that's usually a bad thing. And then what kind of fats they're getting? Are they getting the trans saturated fats? Are we getting the healthier uh, polysaturated fats like, you know, oils? So that's kind of the two things that hit kind of right off the bat. Not that I change any of their diet right off the bat, but I just want to, to make sure they understand that. Um, and then kind of a hack that I <clears throat> that like to do with, especially the over 40 crowd, just to start them on this. That way they don't have to even change anything they're doing. Is this the concept of uh, intermittent fasting? You know, since I started doing that, especially since myself over 40 have started seeing changes in my body due to the aging process, just by taking someone's program and putting in the, the idea of intermittent fasting is taking your time window of eating and crunching it that way at rest. And the next time you eat the next day, your body has time to simulate everything you did to it. Obviously we want to stay within caloric range and you're not overeating, but letting your body have a longer time of fasting is supercharging your results and especially needed since it's harder being over 40. And then you can go into, if someone's really interested in that kind of thing, you can start kind of dabbling in long fasting, which has crazy good benefits. But, you know, that's something that you kind of deal with later. So with a, with a new client, that concept of just shortening the time window of eating is just, is just huge and easy. Then you can start kind of picking and tweaking if they'll let you on, a, on other parts of their diet. So I think let's just assume that for most folks, and this used to be me, uh, you get up and somewhere within the first half an hour of waking up, you're in the kitchen getting whatever it is breakfast is going to be. And for most Americans, that was a box, of, a bowl of cereal and, and and milk. And that was, maybe that was it. But then you add, you know, orange juice and toast and more sugar to it. So seven o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning and up until eight or nine o'clock at night. So 12 to 14 hours of eating or grazing all day. How how tight do you turn that window into us? So we have 14 hours. What do you stretch it down to? So everything in baby steps, we start knocking it by like two hours. And uh, for myself, I can't stop eating once I get home. I can give up breakfast. So you get to decide where that time window of eating goes. It doesn't really matter too much. But you ultimately, for men... You kind of want to try to get that to a six-hour, six-and-a-half-hour window. Um, females have to be a little careful because the hormones always check with a medical professional to see if they can do it. Um, but maybe eight-hour eight, eight hour time window for them. But you want to do it in small baby steps, and you want to do it every day if you're going to be doing that method. Because if you're just doing it a couple days, it's not going to do much for you. It needs to be a new change and try it out you know, for a few weeks, maybe a month. And just see just that simple step and see your results from that. But like I said, you can slide that time window however much you want. I personally do six hours. So uh, I, I don't even eat till 2 p.m. 
uh, knowing that I can't stop hmm. myself once I get home. So I've got from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. Then I'll go and take a shower, start getting ready, and then I stay the hell away from my fridge because I can't have that near me either. So in that six hours, um, do you mind me asking about your diet? Yeah, so my, my diet, because um, you know, I'm, I'm more focused on trying to maintain my build that I like and keeping lean muscle on, uh, so it's very high protein. And basically, I'll eat four meals, um, and I'll have to space it in within those six hours because you need your time for your body to digest all this. Um, but that means I, for my build, I'm a 210-pound male. I need about close to 200 grams of protein. That's a lot of protein to hit in a short time window. So I need... Uh, supplements. So I take protein shakes and I take about 60 gram uh, protein each hit. And then when I eat two normal meals, I usually eat um, lean meats with healthy oils and then, you know, vegetables. And then I'll still try to hit about 50 to 60 grams of protein within those meals. And then, uh, you know, there's, there's room for, I'm more of a savory guy, you know, salt and everything. So I'm kind of okay with right. putting that on my steaks and everything. But for people that have the sweet tooth, you know, there's always time. Yeah. There's always time to incorporate that in the meals as well. Uh, there's always better choices and everything, but, but you're getting it within that six hour time window. We're, we're, we're good to go. We're going to do some good damage. And how many calories a day do you generally consume? So for me, I'm, I'm trying to stay, uh, 25, 24 to 2,500 calories until, I get exactly where I want. And then it's just a game of, do you want a little bit less or a little bit more muscle? Then you, then you increase or decrease those calories. So currently I'm at uh 24. The listener listening to this is going to maybe be in shock. 2,500 calories. One of the things I I use, I think it's called a chronometer chronometer. Um, I don't use it. Mm -hmm. I've used it regularly for a while. And now, cause I sort of have a sense Roughly about because the breakfast is mostly the same every day, um, but to get even, and I had to figure it out. Let me see if I can figure it out again. Um, hundred, hundred and eighty or so grams of protein. It's a lot. Okay. And to oh, yeah. get to twenty two hundred calories is like holy crap. So if I'm not eating. Potato chips and donuts and frosted flakes. It's like, wow. Suddenly getting to 2,000 calories is a bit more of a challenge because all that sugar crap is nothing but calories. And like, it's yep. like, <laughs> so. So that's, that's, look, look how hard it is to hit the protein. And if you are eating clean, you know, not the carbs, but cleaner stuff it's not much calories either. So you're trying to hit to 2000 and you're like, you know, thousands yeah, it's, short. It's, it's hard. Yeah. So that's, um, and that's, that's, uh, I have a, a keto friend who, and so we don't talk every day, but I guess in some respects, and I could probably message him more often uh, in the absence of somebody actually in your space as your accountability coach, would you recommend getting somebody at least on, on Messenger or somebody you could tweet to or call and message and say, hey, I need some help? Yeah, that's that's the thing is besides having a personal trainer, which that's that was my line of work and it is, you know, kind of pricey. Obviously, it's a brick and mortar deal and people got to make money and that's kind of the going rates and stuff. Um, having an online coach, it could be a personal trainer, it could be a physical therapist, it could just be a 
someone who's just been in health and wellness, not necessarily a personal trainer, it's a lot less expensive. You don't need to do it every day, but it's good to have someone like that to talk to who's, who's in that uh, health and wellness field just as a bouncing board to help keep you accountable, which is the number one thing is just being held accountable. I mean, even myself, trainers, trainers need trainers. You know, I've got that new high tech gym that I go to in Costa Mesa and it's just, you know, I I can't disappoint my trainer there (laughs) and I know them all. And, uh, you know, I have no problem making that 30 minute drive there and back when normally I would, but I'm excited to be there. It's somewhere new outside of my box. And, and now some, I'm accountable to someone else, right. not, not the other way. So it's, it's just that, that hook is exactly what you need to get you motivated and stay in course. You know, without having that, like we go back to the home gyms, the people would set up their home gyms but not really have anybody. And they would just fizzle away. It's just, it's just natural for that to happen. I would, I would imagine so being, being the client to those other uh, coaches sort of gives you a little bit of empathy about what your clients are going through. Absolutely. <laughs> and so you can sort of, you know, really understand better what it is there. And I'm, it probably makes you a better trainer, just having some really appreciation about what they're going through. Yeah. And just like I said, being over 40, yeah. now I know what my poor clients were going through when I was a young punk 20-year-old telling them what to do. For, for folks who are listening and say, you know, I, I want to, you know, the, the hard, the, I, want to, I want to change. And so the hard part, and so I have a couple of kids, and, and I know that even for myself, that chips – I'm not a I'm not a big potato chips guy, and I've replaced potato chips with pork rinds. And I, and the thing about the chip that is appealing to me, and others have different things, is the crunch. Well, pork rinds have a crunch, yeah, but there I me too. so I can I can replace the thing in that case. The the stimulus is the crunch part. Not really particularly big fan of chips uh, and there are like the, the the lime tostitos whatever those are kind of good especially within you know good guacamole then like yeah this is this is a nice thing um and i yeah. do I, I do have them sometimes i know that it's an ultra processed food and know it's a bunch of chemicals on the ship you you can't I'm not. I'm not making a statement. I'm saying as an aphorism, you can't do all of it all the time. It's just overwhelming. So, uh, as yeah. a, as one dalliance, um, lime coated chips with <laughs> in guacamole that I made, that's acceptable. Um, but the, my big challenge is is sugar and chocolate and chocolate chips and cookies and so there yeah. are there are some really outstanding keto websites who also have facebook pages and um so i talked to and you and i both talked to um jess reed and she's a she's a coach and she's into keto and the so we, Jess and I talked a lot about uh, sugar replacements because they're not all exactly the same, and some of them are to be avoided. And sometimes, depending on who you are, one sugar replacement won't appeal to you. Maybe it's too bitter. Maybe you don't like the menthol effect. Whatever it is, there's more to work with. Um, 
but as as getting rid of sugar and getting rid of um, flour and using nut flour, coconut or almond, I find that I, I can mostly satisfy that sweet tooth urge with a keto sweet. Uh, and, and that's like, yeah. okay, I know it is better, better meaning that it's, there's no sugar, but it also, well, it scratches the itch. And that's really the big deal yeah. is not how that's, do I satiate that urge? That's the yeah. thing. And that's the thing of uh, just a simple philosophy of eat this, not that. You know, taking those things, you don't have to give up. Just you got to switch them out with something. And usually the easiest thing is for, you know, for that the type of foods that you're mentioning is easily just even if you're not on keto. I personally do keto. I call it Cheeto because I do cheat a lot. It's but uh, the keto products have the low carbs and healthier substitutes, even if you're not on keto. So like going to Sprouts, they've got so many different chips because I'm the savory. That's my thing. It's ch- chips and salsa so going to like sprouts and getting like a healthier chip because i just want the salt and the crunch and that and that's it and dipping right. in my guacamole or, or salsa um and other than that you know even for my own daughter she you know of course she wants sugar and and popsicles and fudge bars and all that i just get her the keto options because they're low net carbs or a healthier sugar um and she doesn't know the difference good so I'm already got her hooked on all these things versus you know gummy bears and all this stuff that's horrible for you. So I remember the the big deal, and I don't. Maybe they still exist. Maybe I, maybe they don't because of too many bad things that happened. But I remember the Good Humor Man and the white ice cream truck and the the little thing of bells. He would always you now back oh, then yeah. he actually had to move the bells to make the noise, but you could hear those bells from a quarter mile away. Mom, mom, man, Kids they're just they're lined up on the street waiting for him to come by. Yep. We even have one in our neighborhood now that's like old school. He brought it back and he's going around our neighborhood and the kids don't even know what it is. It's the adults. We're the ones going, oh my God, stop making that sound because it's yeah. like Pavlov's law. He starts salivating. Yeah, it's effective. It works. Yeah. I don't think, you know, so our truck, and there may have been other ones, was the Good Humor ice cream truck. And so back in yeah. the back in the 70s, the, the orange push-up was okay. It just never really satisfied. But the thing, my favorite, was the strawberry crunch bar. And then the strawberry and then oh, the screws yeah, on the outside. I tried it years later, and like so many other things, it failed completely to – now, there's a, there's, a, there's a big chasm. So when you're thinking back to being six – and you have all of these years to romanticize this experience. When you go to match it, man, oh man, that is a tough thing to do under the best of circumstances. Well, they fell way short. So they had, it felt like they had changed the formula. It was a smaller bar. It tasted really like fake strawberry. The whole thing was <laughs> such a bitter disappointment. It's like, oh my gosh, this is just, this is just dead. Yeah, that's. I've discovered in my life, like old memories, even of like cartoons we watched or shows we watched, let them be good yeah. memories because you bring them back and you just are sadly disappointed because, you know, our tastes change, our viewpoints change. And 
and then it sucks crushing yeah. that memory of, <laughs> of how awesome yeah, something was. Yeah, have to hold a funeral for a dear, dearly departed memory, and that's a sad thing. It's terrible. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want it. I know, I know. Um, all right, so for people who are going to start doing this, what, and, and this is, I, I, I want to see if there's a way to make a blanket statement of advice for anybody who's going to start. What would we say, what would you say is a way to start to measure what your fitness is? How, so we're going to start today and in a week. Is in and now I know yeah. and you know that the scale is the easiest, most reinforceable way to check if you've had air quotes success, which isn't which is which yeah. is really not true at all. But I use it, you use it, everybody uses it. They're looking for have I lost weight? Well, that so losing weight's not the thing. Losing fat's the thing. Building muscles the thing. How yeah. can and that's so how do how do they measure their success in their fitness so using the scale can work i don't like using that to start out with because someone going on a like a a program of trying to be build lean muscle mass which they should as well as cardio you, typically people gain more weight because you're putting solid muscle on your body so the people that are starting out i always tell them you cannot go by the scale you know, until maybe two, three months later, then we go by the scale. Um, because you see that number go up, it just starts throwing you off. The best is just to kind of do the mirror check. If you don't hmm. have like a body fat analyzer, it'd be the best. But, you know, you have to have access to that or some shop near you that has a in-body machine is like right. one of the best out there. Um, but just doing the mirror test, just go by that. Or inches if you can measure yourself or have someone measure yourself. But, yeah, first just start simple and just get moving. And then just create whatever, you know, if you don't want to even a coach or to start with or anything, just do something simple like, you know, how long can I plank? That's a nice, safe abdominal workout to, to start with and see how long you can go. Uh, how many squats can I do in one sitting at a, a normal speed? How many push-ups I can do? Um, for back, pull-ups is not the greatest thing to start with. It'd be better to start with like a row. So you'd, you'd have to have access to dumbbells. Or maybe a TRX. That's a real uh, inexpensive thing that people can put in their house, and you can do rows. So, how many rows can you do all in a row? And that'd be a good starting point. Write them all down, and then that's what you're trying to be. And then the more you get into this, then you can start getting some of the other toys and and trainers, or maybe gyms if you're into it. But just start small and, and challenge yourself, um, and don't don't go more than 20, 20 30 minutes. Maybe even fifteen minutes is good enough, and uh, and just and just play you with know. it. And like I said, building small habits versus going all out—that's better to do that every single time. N no one ever wins by buying all this gym equipment and set this beautiful yeah. thing yeah. up, and then trying yeah, to equipment sells benefits. But you know, planks is interesting because it looks like it's not an abdominal workout, but it is. Boy, howdy, it's an abdominal. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's fun because oh, yeah. there's a variety of ways you can move your body to oh, work. so many ways. Like side muscles and back muscles and things you wouldn't necessarily think of because you think, well, I'm doing a plank, I'm facing down. But there's other things that you can do. And holy smokes, 
It looks like it's an arm thing, yeah, but it's just not. Just, just go on YouTube and just type in variations of planks and just challenge yourself that way or variations of push-ups right. and variations of rows. And you can just, very simple, those are the three main muscle groups that you can do the most damage with um, for, you know, fitness level. And you can just have fun with it. And then, you know, just everyone's different. See where that takes you. Now, I'm, I'm fond of, of saying when it comes to diet, nutrition, and health that there is no such thing as one size fits all. So with that, I'm going to ask you, is there such a thing as an optimal time to exercise and eat? Is there, does one come first, one come second? Is there benefits to exercise first, exercise second? What happens? I mean, there, there's a, from what I've seen and experienced myself, there's a, there's a slight difference in working out in a fasted state. You, you, you don't even have to be doing the intermittent fasting we talked about, just meaning before you eat breakfast, work out. There's a tiny bit of uh, extra push, you know, on results of, of working out or exercising in a fasted state where your body hasn't had anything yet, so it, it pulls more from your fat reserves. But it's, it's, it's so minute if someone's unwilling to do that and they just want to work it in their day. It, I mean, it, it's, it's not that huge of a difference of just – you know, getting on a program, fit in your meals whenever you can, fit in your exercise whenever you can. I'd rather work with someone's, you know, time schedule than worry about, oh, they'll get that extra little 5 to 10% if they if they do it in the morning before they eat. Now, if someone, in either case, eat, exercising before eating or exercising after eating, finds that that just doesn't make them feel good, then that's a really good reason to me to change a plan. And if you don't feel good, do something so you feel better. Yeah, exactly. The whole, the whole name of the game is, you know, say injury-free. Your workout should make you feel good. Uh, anything you put in your body, listen to it. If you're, if you're eating even the, the keto products we talked about, some people are, don't have a, a stomach for some of the even the plant sugars that are in some of those things. Stop eating them. You know, start. You know, doing stuff that feels good is always a a good recommendation, whether it's diet, fitness, or anything in life. We learn to learn to read the labels, even though the package oh, yeah. has the word keto on it. That doesn't necessarily mean it is. Now, I don't know if and yep. I. It might have been a joke, but I think I saw an advertisement for Domino Sugar with keto on the label. And I think what they did was decided that if the portion is small enough of sugar, then it's going to be low enough in carbs to qualify as keto. (laughs) No, that's not how it works. So, yeah, so that's, that's the thing is read the labels, you know. Then there's the ones where it's, you know, low in carbs, but then they throw on their sugar alcohols. You know, technically that won't throw you out of ketosis if you are doing the keto diet, but those sugar alcohols are not the greatest for your digestive no, tract either. So that's something to, to yeah, worry about. So it doesn't hurt just to read. Yeah, just read the ingredients because the more you get into this, you start seeing like, you know, what everyone talks about being the bad chemicals and all that. And if you might be surprised of going through your pantry of like, oh, my God, I thought this was healthy. And everything about it is except for this one chemical or one thing that they added to it, which I now know is not the greatest. And there you go. 
just just start reading the label. Well, yeah, and you know, um, what I've noticed is that on granolas that are that even there are no grain on nut and seed, and there's many will argue about no seeds. Um, there's to the listener who says, "What are you talking about?" There's a, there's a handful of gurus out there making a tremendous amount of cash promoting a particular mindset, and because it worked for him doesn't mean it's going to work yeah. for you. So that's, exactly. and his success won't necessarily be your success. But, uh, so these, these no grain, low seed, high nut, um, granolas, read the label and there is canola oil. Oh my gosh. So don't eat that. Canola, yeah. avoid seed oils like the plague. Yeah, olive oil and avocado oil and coconut oil are kind of the the big three to are kind oh, of my yeah. go-to. Canola, safflower, sunflower, corn. Don't eat that stuff. Yeah, I Not agree. It. it doesn't taste much better either. Let's take a moment out for a word from Jake about his tasting anarchy podcast. Hey everyone, Jake here, host of the Tasting Anarchy podcast. Join my co-host Mason and I each week as we explore the world of wine and alcohol through a liberty lens. You can find us on all your major podcatchers, tastinganarchy.com or Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Find out how much government is in your drink. All right, I want to move into a uh, what's, what's been called the quick fire part of the show it's just a couple of short answer questions uh, a little bit about food and sometimes not uh, okay. of the five flavors sweet salty sour bitter or umami which one's your favorite uh, i think we touched on that one already uh, i'm a savory guy i love my salt what's your favorite food uh, favorite food, I'm a barbecue guy, and I'm real into beef, so it would have to be a, a bone-in uh, ribeye steak. What's your least favorite food? Probably like canned fish or herring or sardines or something like that. What sound do you love? The sound, uh, especially right now, the, the roaring of the stadiums of football games. I spent most of my day, last couple of days, watching all the games, and that, that's my thing. I love hearing the announcers and the crowds and everything, just the energy. What sound do you hate? Hate. Uh, you know, it's probably bad to say as a, a father, but right now my my six year old girl is just in that phase of either repeating everything I say for fun, or just daddy, 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 as I'm talking to other people. It's my like, God. <laughs> six, huh? It ain't gonna get better for a long time. <laughs> what gets you oh, excited? <laughs> What's that? What gets you excited? Gets me excited. Uh, besides sports and football, I, I mean, I just love like business, just the entrepreneurial thing. I've always been into that. You know, when I made the switch from the corporate world to, to the entrepreneur world, you know, 13 years ago, never looked back. I just I just love it. Sky's the limit. What turned you off? Um, just like I think just negative energy, people, mm -hmm. you know, talking bad about someone or talking 
bad about you. I mean, that doesn't feel good. It's just it's no, there's no room in life to, to to be so pessimistic. It's just better to find the things you love and, and, and put yourself around those people. It's just, you know, be simply. If you could cook for anyone ever, who would that be? Cook for anyone ever. I, I've... I go to like maybe a celebrity or something just because I know it would never happen. I would, I would like to to barbecue for the the rock. Let's see what he thinks. I don't want to barbecue for a, a real barbecue uh, professional because I don't want them tearing my stuff apart. Right. Uh, Dwayne would be, I would like to think Dwayne would be kind of cool. Yeah. What's your favorite food indulgence? Favorite food indulgence, you know, going back to that savory salt and happened this weekend. You know, I try to stay low carb. I'm on the keto, but like I said, I'm the more of the Cheeto um, and pretzels, man, salty pretzels and beer. I can't. It's like kryptonite. So when I indulge, I indulge all day and then I, I just run for the hills and hide from it. And if you're doing all carbs, it's fine. It's when you mix the things, but you know, and yeah. so where where chips kind of fall flat, pretzels kind of fall flat. I like the salt, not really crazy about the pretzels. Now the beer, yeah. as long as it's a, you know, we all have different. What does good beer mean to any two people? You're not going to get a consensus. No, but no way. <laughs> good to me, beer is. Um, I'm I'm all about that. How can people follow you? Uh, easiest way is my podcast wherever you like listening to it but itunes and spotify is easiest uh it's called over 40 fitness hacks with 40 as a four and a zero instead of spelled out or my uh, website uh over 40 fitness hacks.com cool i will put links to both the show and the website on today's show notes page which is culinary libertarian.com slash 226 wow 226 and something <laughs> Do you have uh, a minute to stick around for the thing I call the chef's table? Sure. All right. This is uh, for Patreon supporters, and it's just uh, we're going to say our pretend goodbyes here. So thank you for your time today. I appreciate you being here. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan, for having me on the show. I loved it. I'm glad you did. That was <laughs> that's a bonus. <laughs> All right, folks. That's going to do it. I'll add the podcast link and webpage link for the over 40 fitness hacks to the show notes page culinarylibertarian.com slash 226 thank you for listening i appreciate you being here thanks also to my patreon supporters brad's chef table portion is up on the patreon get access to brad's chef table and the other guests chef table conversations when you become a patron at patreon i did at that time the link is on the show notes page have a good week and i'll see you soon music for the Culinary Libertarian podcast is provided by Matthew Bankert at mattbankert.com.